Hey guys, welcome back to the Fairingle Podcast. Today we had the Musafir himself, Ahmed the Traveller, who told us all about his last five months of travelling through the Middle East, spending a month in a rural village in Indonesia, and taking a 24-hour bus all over Vietnam. Ahmed has so many stories about his travels. You guys are going to love this episode. Make sure you take some notes and enjoy. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the six. Uh, the six. You, you don't mind uh, taking the risk and traveling to Africa by yourself? No, I wouldn't. I, I would want to go to Africa. I want to go to like Afghanistan and stuff like that as well. But I don't know. I would probably wouldn't do that solo, mm. like a guided tour or like a experienced uh, guide. Mm. But I want to go to every country, man. Just mm. it's too like there's less time, but. Alhamdulillah. So obviously, for um, a lot of people, are gonna be like, who th- who's this bloke? You know, Ahmed, the 20-year-old that's traveling around the world or has all these aspirations. I just wanted to know, like, where did this come from? Was it a social media post yeah. where you're like, hey, you know, why am I wasting my time studying at university? Let me uh, travel the world. What was that? What sparked it? And then what made the decision to actually go? I think it was a combination of uh, a bunch of things. Um, obviously, like you said, like, what am I doing with my life type, like... Um, it's like that, that moment where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? Stuff like that, right? Like self-discovery. Um, and also it was it was a post as well. Not really one post, but multiple um, social media posts where I would see people doing all these things. And I'm like, why am I here? And I'm just like <laughs> sitting at home, just like scrolling through. And you, right? you understand that you're that person now. Where you post it and then we <laughs> all looked at it because we sent it in the group <laughs> chat. We're like, why are we sitting at home? Let's go travel. <laughs> So you're literally like right, you're exactly. A I was just thinking that. I was thinking that. I was like, I was like, I want to be that guy on the screen, and then now, alhamdulillah, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm actually the guy on the screen, like yeah, you said. But uh, it was also, so my plan was never solid. It, it started from one thing and then led to another. the The plan was just to do two weeks of Umrah. That was the plan. Okay. It went on. It went on for five months. My travels. So how how it happened? Uh, if I give you, should I give you a backstory? Let's go. Everything okay? So, um, last year, twenty twenty two, I was going through like this whole phase of, um, it's a lot of problems because I live alone and I pay for university and everything. So a lot of financial problems, uh, academic stuff like that, where where I was just overwhelmed and I was very stressed. So in Ramadan, I think the last couple of days of Ramadan, I was. Uh, we we were, uh, I think we were finishing the Quran, so in Tarawih we were, uh, we were just making dua like the Sheikh was making a dua like a long long dua, and I was just standing there and I, I don't know what happened but like, tears just started flowing and like heavy full on like crying. I've never cried like that in my life. That was my first time like, um, crying that heavy. I was like, Ya Allah, I feel I feel stuck. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Um, and and I made this dua. I, I briefly just said, Ya Allah, like, uh, bring me bring me closer to you. Okay, so that happened. You know, Ramadan went by. I forgot about that. A couple months later, a friend comes up to me. He's like, Bro, do you want to come to Umrah with me? And I was like, Bro, This is this is my dua coming true. I just felt I just felt something, and I didn't have the money. Mm, uh, I didn't have the finances. My set my finances weren't set. But I said yes. Because I was like, this is this is this is an opportunity. This is Allah answering my du'as. I can't let it go. So I told him yes. I went. I I went home. I called my mom. I'm like, yeah, uh, I want to go. F- I'm going for Umrah. 
can I just like uh, get a loan from you and then I'll pay you back for the ticket? She says, sure, fine. Sorry, my aunt, not my mom. Um, she says, yeah, sure. She tells my grandma. My grandma's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll cover that for you, the ticket. So subhanAllah, like just the fact that I put the right intention of going, Allah covered that big finance for me. It was $1,000 to go from Canada to Saudi Arabia. 1000 Canadian? Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's a hefty amount. Um, American would be like 900 something like that. So... Um, Alhamdulillah That got covered And So we were going in the next From when he asked me To when Umrah was I had a period of 8 months 8 months So in those 8 months I was like okay you know what I'm going to work extra I'm going to save up But most of my money Was going to rent Alhamdulillah At that point uh, Another friend came to me He's like bro by the way I have a basement That's empty And if you want to stay there You can stay there for free he didn't know my situation or anything. He just said that. I was like, yeah, for sure, bro. So I packed up everything. Everything just, somehow everything just aligned. And it's really hard to find people to give your apartment to. Because I was renting as well. And you can't leave your contract. You have to find someone else to pay it. That's also, uh, you know, um, a challenge of its own, finding someone. But I found it. I put it on Facebook. Found someone to rent my place in one day. I packed up everything. Another friend, he brought his van. We put everything in, and I moved, and I stayed at his basement for free. So in that time while I was staying in his basement, uh, you know, not everything was free. May Allah bless him, bro. He, he, the fact that he let me stay, so I, I was able to stave for Umrah. But uh, yeah, the, the plan was two weeks, but then after the two weeks were done, um, one of my friends, he had an extra space for luggage so i told him uh bro can you take my big luggage with you and i packed it up with like gifts and everything for family and i called everyone back home i, I told my friends like yo i want to go traveling i'm gonna do that for the next couple months D don't worry about me but uh yeah they were a bit worried They're like bro what are you what are you involved with man like you <laughs> you go to Saudi and now you're not yeah, coming back. Just taking you, yeah. It was it was sus, right? It was well, sus. Sorry to cut you, bro. But was this your first trip? Have you traveled before? I've traveled before, but not solo. I okay. traveled. I've traveled to like Europe with friends, but this was my first time being alone, or mm. I was gonna be alone, and it was nerve wracking. But there was there was many reasons why I wanted to travel. Um, so what helped you? Push to make that decision because it, I know I know the feeling because I went on solo travel as yeah. well and I know that it takes a lot of courage and also time to make that decision and think about what am I going to do how am I going to spend my time yeah how am I going to even socialize when I need to how was that process so I, I didn't uh, so I'm a person who's who's very strategic I think ten years in advance bro I'm over sure. here I was eighteen. I was thinking about retiring my parents. I was thinking about getting a mansion. I was like, all that, right? And like, I take over, I like, I overburden myself with the future and, and stress. So this travel or or this uh, this idea to travel was so I could fix all that, so I could live in the moment, I could go with the flow, I could um, just let whatever direction. You know, whatever, like whatever wave take me in whatever, whichever direction. Um, and there was, there was many more reasons, which, uh, which I want to touch on later. But, but you said, uh, uh, how was I planning everything? So there was no plan. Yeah. 
the plan was just not take my flight back to Canada. And then I'll figure out the rest. Damn. So I said salam to my boys. Mm. And um, right after that, I called my mom up. She's like, oh, by the way, we have somebody in Jeddah, a uh, family friend. You could probably stay with them for a couple of days. So he picks me up, stay with them. And then while I'm at their house, I find flights. I know there's family members in Dubai. So I went there. It's for a couple of days so I could start making the plan. Yeah. Um, so I, in that time, I'm, I'm getting out of that zone of, you know, that, that feeling of Mecca and Medina, right? Because I didn't want to plan anything while I'm there because I wanted all my focus to be uh, in worship. But yeah, so I went to Dubai, took some time, made a plan. I found this opportunity in Indonesia to teach English. So they give, okay. you, they give you food Interesting. and they give you housing. And I was like, if I'm budget traveling, this sounds pretty sick. Yeah. Right? So I applied for it. Alhamdulillah, I got a response. And I, I booked my flight. But <laughs> so I look on my ticket. And I realized I booked for Malaysia, not Indonesia. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> That's a good right? start, isn't yeah. it? We've had those before, man. Right? Exactly. Like wrong country. Yeah. And wrong timing too. It was like two months in advance. <laughs> so That's an inexperienced travel. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. right? But this is this yeah. is what you're looking for as well. Like um I even remember the sorry so I remember the first time I went overseas by myself and I remember saying like, Oh, this is what I wanna do. I wanna like be Purchase things on my own because I traveled initially with Ashraf, and he naturally, you know, takes over and does the like the purchasing or the organizing, which is fine. But then I start to realize I need to start doing it. And I remember those instances, even when we're traveling together, when I took over, and I ended up buying like a bus ticket for the wrong day. Right. And it's like those are the type of experience you're looking for, but then you obviously you learn the hard way. Yeah, exactly. and you're stuck in a city for well, an extra day. Well, in Europe, it was like. Um, we were with five people and we yeah. all booked tickets like on our phone to go and Ali obviously just booked for me because then we could just work out payments so he goes okay I'm booking a ticket from Paris to London so we all get to the bus stop overnight bus 11pm to like 7am we get there we show the tickets all the boys get on the bus Ali shows the ticket and he goes this ticket's for yesterday <laughs> and then we're like you're joking me we're like can we just jump on it's like a 10 pound ticket they're like tickets full um, bad luck you have to catch the next one tomorrow so we left no data because our friends had the internet and it's 11 p.m. at night stranded in Paris and we were just like what are we gonna do we had right. no internet it was just some crazy stories right. but that was a 10 euro mistake booking Dubai to Malaysia was probably a couple hundred dollars a couple hundred dollars <laughs> and that was my first big hit of many this is foreshadow okay. so um, I was obviously, obviously a bit upset but I was like you know what whatever man it's fine so I I just took I uh so I booked another flight and again I it was the right date right date wrong country <laughs> so I did it for Malaysia again but again well, yeah cuz on my app it was just the settings were still that country and I thought I was searching Indonesia but it was Malaysia Have you been to that side of the world? <laughs> no. Oh, never, okay. Never. So it's yeah. my first experience. I was like, you know what whatever. So I messaged the guys uh in Indonesia the the, the school institution. I tell them Look, I'll be 10 days late. I'll spend 10 days in Malaysia. Forgive me. So they're like, all right, cool, whatever. Mm. So that gave me some time to be in Malaysia. So I spent my time in Malaysia, explored it, this, that. I think, I think it was good that I landed in Malaysia. Again, my, uh, my, my, my whole travels have just, when I think back um, about them, um, and I look back at them, it's like 
everything happened for a reason. I thought it was a problem in the beginning, like taking the wrong flight, going to the wrong country, but it was actually a blessing, because Malaysia is n- is not underdeveloped. Like it's 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 a really good country if you're a first time solo traveler and you're going to that part of the world, because it gave me it gave me like a smooth transition. If I went to Indonesia, which is much poorer and much like yeah. you know like uh, under right rough underdeveloped. I would have probably gotten overwhelmed. So, alhamdulillah. So, I went to Malaysia. They have, they still have proper self-service. They have Uber and stuff like that. Um, so, I got my tra- a bit of my travel experience being there. You know, getting used to the food, the currency, um, being in hostels, stuff like that. Mm. So, so, the 10 days, I, di- I didn't do much. I just, well, explored the city. Then I met some guy. He said I was going to some other city. Um... So I'm also a very spontaneous person. I, I love doing stuff on the spot as well. H- yeah. How do you meet people on the travels? Yeah, because sometimes you just walk it, like you're walking out a city. Do you just right. go up to people? Do you is it hostels where no, you meet people? Hostels is mostly where I meet people. Um, this guy, he was he was uh, some German guy. He ate Indian food and he got sick, and he was sleeping above me. So I was worried. I was like, bro, do you want to take my bed? Because <laughs> I don't want you vomiting on me. But that's how we became friends. Uh, he woke up in the morning. I got him some bananas, stuff like that, because I, I had some medicine. Um, again, very planned, right? I'm always, I love being planned, so I had like a whole, uh, like bag of just medicine, just mm. in case. So yeah, I gave him medicine. I fed him, and then he he felt a bit better. And the next, uh, like a, a day after, we went to the next city, explored that, and then it was my 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 time to go to. In, Indonesia, Indonesia. Yeah. Indonesia. So I want to know. So I'm trying to picture it now because Malaysia is the first stop. You're by yourself because Dubai beforehand. You're with yes, family, exactly. So that technically wasn't on your own, right? Malaysia was the first stop. Right. How was that spending your days and like even figuring out what to do? And you know, obviously having experiences compared to past trips of shared yeah. experiences. How was that comparison? It was. It was. It got very lonely in the beginning because. When you're with the friends, you have someone to talk to all the time. But I was waking up alone. I was going to sleep alone. I was going to the restaurant alone. And it was very awkward eating by myself mm. somewhere. Um, it was like, I, like, I kind of felt weird, you know? Like, I felt like people were, it was just in my head, but like people are watching me. Like, is he, is he a yeah. loner? Stuff like it that. is a strange feeling. Because right. I remember like even when I was on my travels, my first stop yeah. um, in Istanbul, it was like a very strange feeling where it's like, because you're doing these like amazing things, you're taking photos, right? Videos, yep, yep, yep. and it's like, but then no one's next to you while you're taking photos. Obviously, right. you got to get randoms to take right. photos, exactly, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. so it gets a bit crazy. awkward, even with eating alone, but also like taking videos and even like uh, recording myself. Yeah. My idea was to vlog. Sorry, was to vlog, and it's uh, you don't know how nerve wracking it is just having a camera in yeah. front of you, walking around, right? You guys probably know if. Uh, you guys do vlogs as well? or Yeah, like as in, even just like in terms of memories. Yeah. Like if you're recording at a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you, I don't know about you, but then I'll, when I do it, because I don't do it often, I'm too busy thinking about, oh, like people are looking at me. Right. What are they thinking of me? This exactly. and that. Exactly. That same feeling. Yeah. The same feeling when I when I first started traveling. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was really lonely, but that kind of pushed me to talk to people. So when I was sitting on my, on my bed, I would see someone else just come into the room. I'd be like, hey, man, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? 
And that gave me more confidence. So st- staying in hostels was, I think, a really good experience, especially when you're single. Mm. Yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man. We had that convo fire here, different <laughs> world, <laughs> right? So it's like uh, it, it really built that confidence. Um, it made me also understand other people's situation, and then because, like I said before, going to Umrah, I was very lost uh, and uh, having some difficulties. So when I talked to other people traveling from from around the world, I was like, maybe my situation is not that bad, you know. So you 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 hear a lot of stories, and I think sometimes when you meet people, you also understand that your issue is common, but taking a step to find the solution is uncommon, because it's very easy to be like, okay, I'll just, you know, I don't know what I want, but I'll just stick to my uni degree even though I don't like it, and then I'll find the job that's stable, and I'll work the nine to five on a thing they don't like and they never actually put the effort into discovering themselves and discovering what they want to do mm. um, and that's what the 20s are about yeah so like we have a australian culture a big thing is backpacking europe like every aussie when you finish school you should go backpack europe for three months okay and it's like you'd spend all your money a lot of them just party yeah. and drink and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. but the idea that they invest in these experiences discovering themselves and just enjoying their 20s mm-hmm. and then us as muslims it's like it's uncommon you know, yeah, it's like, oh, you want to spend all your money doing right. that? Like, you should get a stable job. Exactly. Because we come from a different mindset because our parents are immigrants. Right. They, they look at that stability. They don't play the long game. But the Aussies yeah. here just don't care. They're like, you make your money back. Right. Go invest 20K. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I like I like that because you, you get to experience more. I mean, I also understand where our culture comes from, like the Muslims, because they're mostly immigrants. They've sacrificed a lot and stuff like that. So I guess I understand where our parents come from. I had a lot of difficulty convincing everybody, my family. Even though you're already gone. So yeah. you literally, you're gone. You yeah. weren't even face-to-face saying, yep. I saved up 10K, I want to go travel. Yeah, you're yeah. on the other side of the world and yeah, you're still... Yeah. Exactly, because it was, it was weird for them, for a 20, 20-year-old guy to just go and travel... Did you have cause? a lot of savings? Like, because you weren't intending to no, travel. Five I didn't months. have a lot of savings. Okay. So that's where so it just the story continues. Um, I, bro, the money. I don't know. Subhanallah, bro. Allah <laughs> took care of me, man. I swear. I don't know how I even got the money. I didn't have that much. Um, but oh, what was he gonna say? The the. We were on the saving out. Saving? No, yeah, we were talking about... Your parents, you're saying it was hard yeah, to convince them. It was hard to convince them because they've only traveled because they had to move to a different country or, you know, business related. And then seeing someone who's 20 going just because and, you know, it was, it was weird for them. It was a lot of back and forth conversations. Um, at one point, they were, they were kind of sussed out. They're like, did somebody like... Is somebody like inviting you to some country to, I don't know, like... You know, like people um, influence you and... Yeah, uh, sometimes in the wrong way Right, as well. exactly. So I had to reassure them. I was like, no, it's not like that. It was a lot... Uh, um, I, I think it was also um, my fault. I should have been more transparent before going or my thoughts. I kind of just like said, hey, yo, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah. But uh, alhamdulillah, they trust me. So it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. I was just like... I explained to them, I'm like... I want to do something out of my comfort zone because, you know, I don't want to live my life like this. I want to On that specific point, because yeah. sometimes we look at travel as an escape mechanism or a way to escape our yeah. reality. Yeah. There's the self-discovery, which is one thing, but then it's like, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Right. And 
instead of facing reality problems, I'm going to escape. Did you feel like that was a thing for you? It's like, or were you escaping um, one life to, you know, discover a new life? Or yeah. what was your kind of mindset on this five month journey before it started? It would. It was mostly a combination of both. I was like, I want to disconnect myself from this life so I can live a different life. And when I, when I, the 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 experiences that I gain from that life, I bring it back to the life that I'm currently living in Canada. So yeah. that was it. Was yeah. a mixture. Self discovery. I want to become right. a new person, a better person. Exactly. And travel is the way to do it. Right. For exactly. You. Yeah. And um, I being in Canada, so I, I would. Um, I, I was living alone there as well. I had roommates, but n- away from family. So I would distract myself uh, if I'm alone with, with friends by going over to their place, maybe, you know, to cooking together, hanging out at uni. So I felt like I needed to do something completely on my own so I could discover myself. Because we kind of... Um, w- we kind of go in the shadows when we're around friends because... We're comfortable, right? We don't really get out of our comfort zone when we're with people we know. So you I watch I, Yes Theory? I do, yeah. Is that where you got the... Um, no, I, no. Uh, is is I, that I what they said? I was going to get jeeed up. I was going to go get my hoodie. I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Seek discomfort, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to jump for that side. Oh, man. No, I used to watch those guys like since I was like 14. But oh. I think maybe that was in my head. Maybe that was in my head. I wanted to do something that nobody in my family did that I, I didn't even think about doing. I just... Just mm-hmm. did it Something yeah. different okay. Yeah Right So you, you went out of your comfort zone Let's go back to Indonesia Because yep. we can actually hear that yeah, So you, yeah. you applied Boom I want to go um, Teach in Indonesia Yep And you went to Ended up in Malaysia Yeah 10 days So now I booked my flight For Indonesia But I booked it On the wrong date booked This it on Indonesia the trip date. Was delayed <laughs> This is exactly many times. It got really It got really delayed So I was like oh, man, I was No sorry No 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 I didn't uh, No sorry I didn't I didn't book it On the right time so A wrong time I missed my flight. I missed okay. my flight. I got to the airport. I was going to Indonesia. I missed my flight. The flight, it, like, it was still there, but they didn't let me go because budget airlines, you know, they're, they're, that's also something that I learned in my travels. Uh. Never trust budget airlines, man. Be like three hours ahead. Yeah. Because um, uh, they don't compromise. So I, I was sitting at the airport, and I was actually really exhausted, and I was, I was kind of losing hope. Like, like, man, I, I can't go to Indonesia. Why does everything keep getting delayed? And now I miss my flight and I'm losing money. And I was kind of, I was, I was losing hope and I was becoming a bit negative. So I went away. I sat down for a bit. I was like, okay, you know what? Inshallah, it'll be okay. I was trying to calm myself like that. I was like, you know, like, like it's a plan of Allah. Maybe there's something better. So I, I never posted where I would be. I never posted where I would be when I'm in a country because you know I, I don't want like people you know like hasad or stuff like that if I leave the country then I post about it I don't want people like just feeling bad that oh he's traveling so much even yeah. though if they see it after you know it's it's fine whatever because I have to kind of post it because that's my job now is travel like traveling uh, making videos but um, yeah so I didn't post anything all I posted was a bunch of trees but somebody from uni messages me. He's like, yo, is that Malaysia? What? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, by the way, I'm from Singapore. I live in Singapore. I, I, I barely knew this person. Uh, they were a friend of a friend from university. Uh, but uh, he, uh, they're like, uh, I'm in 
I'm in uh, Singapore because I live here for the summer holidays. If you if you want, just come. I was like, say less, bro. So I I right then I booked my ticket from Malaysia to Singapore, a bus, and I arrived arrived the next morning. So I didn't let that that uh, setback discourage me too much. I was like, you know what? I gotta keep going with the plan. I'm I'm done with Malaysia. I want to go somewhere else. So I got to see in uh, Singapore in that because of that. That was an excuse to go see Singapore. I go there, and uh, there uh, his family's like, stay with us. Don't worry about accommodation. Don't worry about none of that. So they covered everything for me, and I was like, guys, you know, don't do this. And they're like, no, no, no. Like they were they're really hospitable. So I was I stayed there for two days. So I got to see Singapore, which is a a really expensive country in Southeast Asia, for free, basically. And their dad was so nice to me. He's like, you know what? If you want to go to um, Universal Studios as well, just go. And I, and I asked him for like, I was like, please, like, let me pay, let me pay. He's like, no, 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 just, just go. Damn. So he co- they covered all that, man. So if oh. if I hadn't missed my flight to Indonesia, I would have I wouldn't have seen Singapore. All works out in the end, right? Yeah, all works out at the end. Yeah. Finally, now I finally get to. Indonesia and I'm actually really excited I'm like finally so another, a country that's not that developed and I, I'll get more of the raw experience um, I get there and I didn't have any service I didn't have any no internet no nothing um, no transportation so I just get out the airport and you know how like everybody just rushes to you oh taxi 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 yeah Right, so I just I just took some random random. No, uh, I took a random one, but it was like a Grab. Do you know what Grab is? Yeah, yeah. Malaysia as well. Yeah, right. Grab like the Uber it's for the Uber, yeah. exactly. So I had the app. Um, so I just called. I called somebody on there because I was. Uh, I didn't know if the prices for the taxis if they were gonna up upcharge me. Mm-hmm. See, like I, now I was learning. I was learning that you know uh, people could uh, make money off exactly you. right or like scam you stuff like that. So. It was, a, it was a process. So I, I got a car from Grab. Guy came, sat down. I said, Assalamu alaikum. He was like, wow, Muslim. Wow, really nice. And I, and I, uh, like, I suddenly just felt like a warm, comforting feeling. Because being a Muslim, um, being in a country where you don't know anyone, but just because we exchanged Assalamu alaikum, I felt a connection. You know. So I was just sitting in the back seat. Uh, he, he couldn't speak English. So we didn't really communicate much, but uh, so this was funny. Uh, first experience of Indonesia. He doesn't know how to read maps. The guy he doesn't know how to read Google Maps. So he gives it to me, and he's like, he just points, and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll point. So I was uh, the the two seats over here. I'm in the back seat, but like I'm poking my head out to the driver's seat, and I'm just like. Just on the edge of my seat saying, yeah, over there. No, <laughs> over there. Over there. Like that. And it went on, f- it went on for an, uh, an hour. It was a 30-minute drive from the airport to the place. But it went on for an hour because the guy didn't trust me. He kept saying, no, no, no. no. <laughs> You're wrong. The map is uh, wrong. I'll go my way. And then ultimately, I was like, I don't know what to do, bro. I'm telling you maps over here. He's like, no, 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 no. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So he, he, he parks his car. Again, no reception, no nothing. I can't even message the the school that hey, I'm here. Can you help me out? Was it an orphanage? It or was not. No, no, no. It's, school. it's just an. Uh, so the thing with uh, uh, well, I'll get back to that later because 
it'll cut the story off. But uh, he gets out of the car and he goes to some vendor and is to ask for directions. The guy tells him this way. So he gets in, maybe a kilometer or like even like 500 miles ahead. He goes, gets out, asks another guy, gets in. He did that at least six times. Seventh time, the guy's the, 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 the vendor on the, the street vendor is there. He took a stick and he's making a map on the floor. <laughs> like, subhanAllah, bro, where did I end up? What country is this, right? Because nobody has maps, no service. They, they don't, you know. I came from a very comfortable environment where everybody uses internet. So it was, it was uh, shocking for me. But anyways, finally, somehow, I, I, get, I get to the, the school. But yeah, like you were saying, so the school, it was more of like an after-school program. Uh, the thing with Indonesia is, or like at least the village that I was in, is people have their own businesses in front of their homes. Some people have like coffee shops, some people have a garage, like motorcycle garage. So the family, they had a uh, English institution in front of their school, uh, in front of their house. Houses in the back, and then everything's just built like a like a school. So, um, sorry. So yeah, I get there, and then I'm I'm really exhausted, and and uh, uh, I finally get to meet them. They tell me to relax, this that, and uh, they come out with food. Never had Indonesian food in my life. Okay, I'm I'm used to uh, my family. They're Pakistani. You know, we 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 like spice. We we like spicy. I love spicy. We have we have our own flavors. So they bring out their food, and it's not it's not like seasoned. It's it's very different. You guys probably have tried Indonesian food here, yeah. right? Yeah. We, yeah. We don't have Indonesians. A lot of Indonesians in Canada, because okay. it's closer for Indonesians to come to Australia, right? So, yeah, we don't. Ha- I've never seen an Indonesian restaurant there, so I've never tried the cuisine. Mm. I took a bite. I didn't like it, man. I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. Cause I don't. Maybe it was. Maybe it was a specific dish. But I'm not used to that much rice or lack of seasoning. So I didn't like it. I know personally when, because I was in Indonesia recently, and their quality of produce isn't the same as Australia, especially in the villages and stuff like that. And I tasted the food and that was one of the only times I couldn't finish a meal. Right. And I know that meal in Australia is amazing. But when I got there, I'm like, how is this that bad? Yeah, it's probably the quality of food. So it's quality, it's what the locals have, it's different, it's just... Different to what you would have different, here. And there, their stomachs are accustomed to it. Mm. But, uh, but, um, but br- as time went on, and as, bro, if you're hungry, you eat anything. Mm. So that food became like the most precious food to me in the next couple of days, right? Because I was, I was starving and, and I actually got adapted to the, to the food and I actually started liking it. Mm. Um, How long were you in Indo for? So it was supposed to be two weeks, but it went on for a month. So you taught English in Indonesia for one month? Yeah, for one month. How, what was the lesson you learned and implemented from that one month? Because one month's a long time. You probably gained yeah. so much experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's something that you're conscious of? Is it being grateful because obviously yes. the life they live? Exactly. Is there other type of, you know, akhlaq you tried to gain or implement? What What comes to mind when you think of that trip? I think uh, that when I think about that that trip, that was my first trip in a developed, like a underdeveloped country. So um, around that time, it was really hot. It was like 40 degrees. I come from Canada. I'm not used to that that hot, that, that much heat. So it was a whole bunch of things, bro. I had to get really, com- I, I, I was not comfortable at all when I first got there. Food wasn't 
my style. Mm. Um, the living situation, I was on a mattress with springs that were broken, so they would poke my back. Um, I was just sleeping on the floor, like a uh, mattress on the floor. Uh, ants everywhere, mosquitoes everywhere, heat, you know. It was very uncomforting. Not not comfortable, uncomfortable. So, uh, I think, yeah, from that, I gained a lot of patience, a lot of sabr, because I knew, I, I low-key wanted to leave in the beginning, but I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I can't leave because this is the type of experiences that I was chasing. So now that I'm uncomfortable and I'm, why do I want to run away? And I also gave them a two week time commitment. So I was like, no, bro, if I have to starve, okay, I'll starve. But in the next couple of days, I'll actually eat it. So I did start eating the food. I did get sick. I got uh, food poisoning, diarrhea, whatever, you name it, man. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I learned a lot of patience in that one month. Apart from that, I also learned, um, I learned hospitality from them, bro. They were so kind to me. They would like, like, so, so the the family that I was with, it's a husband and wife. They don't have kids, but they have their uh, niece and nephew, which is their, which is the 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 husband's sister's children. She's widowed. The sister's widowed. Yeah. So I would spend most of my time with them. We would pray together, right? And, and that praying together, bro, w we, we barely spoke the same language. Maybe maybe the, the husband and wife who run the institution, they speak English, but his wife and the children, uh, sorry, the, his sister, children, not so much. But the fact that we would come together in certain times of the day and pray together, no matter how, what we look like, um, uh, our skin color, our language, we would come together and we would say, Allahu Akbar, that would feel like a great bond. That was my first experience praying in a very like uh, local, like praying with local people. Yeah. So I learned uh, hospitality from them, and I also learned uh, what's the word like like uh, acceptance in a way, because because they have different cultures and they have different traditions that they that they also believe in. But because because I'm because I'm also still learning their culture, I can't be like, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, which sometimes people in the West they tend to do because I don't know. At least in Canada, everybody thinks they're a sheikh, right? Yeah. So I don't know if Not it's like mean. that in Australia, but over there I learned acceptance because some some things didn't seem right to me, but maybe that's because I didn't understand them, or maybe that's their culture. Like, uh, who am I to you know? So I would sit with them. I would talk to them. I would have conversations with them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, "Yo, that's wrong. This is wrong. Oh, whatever." Right? Like, uh, like they accepted me. I accepted them. We would also talk about um, how us as Muslims we should be more accommodating towards one another. Um, Indonesians, mashallah, they're very peaceful people. And I don't know if you guys know how Indo how Islam spread in Indonesia, but it was spread was very, very peacefully. Yemenis through trade? I think it was it was it was through trade at first. But the word they accepted it very easily. Mm -hmm. There was no fighting, no war, no nothing. Uh it was it was very easy. So so it's in their blood to be very very accepting and very kind. Right? So I, I learned that from them. Um SubhanAllah, it's yeah. a it's sometimes it's a change of akhlaq so much that when you sit with them, 
you'd expect like when a problem happens that they would react in a certain way, yeah. like get angry, raise their voice. You know, husband and wife, you said a month with husband and wife, yeah. like normally, but then there's certain um, cultures where it's not their norm. Like they don't even think I should raise my voice. I should swear at this yeah. person. Yeah. I should, you know, chuck a tantrum. Right. So that's actually really interesting. I didn't, you know? I didn't hear them yell at once, not even once. If, if the kids, sometimes the kids are a bit stubborn. Uh, he, uh, the husband, he takes care of his niece and nephew like his own. So sometimes they don't want to come to class. They don't want to study. Bro, the, the cultures that I've been around, man, I just slap the kid, make him sit, you know? Yeah. But like he would, he would like stroke his, uh, his I would say his son at this point because he, he really takes care of them as, as his daughter and son. Like he would stroke his hair. He'd be like, you know what, come, let's go. He'd be very calm about it. Very calm about it. No raising, not, not raising his voice, not yelling, not using physical violence. I was like, Subhanallah, bro. I never seen a, a man do that, you know. Um, and he would be, he would always always be smiling. He would always be smiling, man. Mashallah, like his. I still remember like his, his the the way the wrinkles would come on his eyes when he would smile, and then like his his teeth. Um, when he would show me a fruit, or he had chickens, he had chickens, so he would show me the eggs. He would sh- pluck a fruit and and smile and come towards me and be like, Ahmed, look at this. Like so so like. Um, Gentle, you know. I, I really, I really like that. Inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. So you spent. Like, I was just gonna say it's it's interesting because you know when you, uh, certainly now for you as well being an Australian bef- and all these other countries, you certainly get a whole different experience. Either traveling, like you know, staying in the city, staying in a hostel, compared to staying with locals. Yeah. Sometimes it's experiences you you can never imagine you can get. Right. So I think that like getting that extra experience especially in the house you're seeing them interact with each other how the cultures and how you can learn from each other it's honestly amazing yeah it is it is amazing and especially there's traveling but then there's there's also like like you're living in hostels hotels stuff like that but there's living with a family which is more like intimate which is more connected like you're you're seeing how their day-to-day is how they interact how they talk because i was with them for a month they can't you you can't keep a fake attitude for a month. Yeah, that's true. The truth would come out, right? But no, no, no shift in character. They were always consistent, always kind towards me, uh, hospitable. Uh, his his wife she would she would always ask me, um, "What do you want for dinner? Um, what do you, what do you want?" Like she would always be worried about me and if I had eaten yet or stuff like that. In the morning, he would sometimes go. Uh, take his bike to get some breakfast just for me so then when i wake up i, I have it there yeah. so they were they were really kind yeah, of i think just immersion in a different country it's um what they call slow travel i don't know if you've seen that um idea but when people talk about what like before we talk about backpacking it's like oh, i'm gonna backpack you up for th- uh 12 weeks three months and i'm gonna go to you know 16 cities in 12 weeks so each city gets like three, four days. Yeah. And you're just in and out, in and out. It's like you're not spending enough time to actually understand a culture, a people, their history, their way of life, their perspective on it all. And each city you go to has, especially like in Europe, it's got hundreds of years of history. Right. But you don't, in three days, you get to see the two cathedrals, um, their tallest building and a museum, and you eat one specific food from a country. It's like, did you really learn about Czech Republic or Croatia or anything like that? Yeah. So, so that, that's a slow travel where they say spending, for example, more than two weeks in a certain right. country 
really lets you understand, you know, the people, their way of thinking, their philosophy on life. Exactly. It's actually really interesting exactly. that you got to spend that long. A lot. So it was uh, generally supposed to be, initially supposed to be two weeks. Um, also interacting with the kids. So I would come up and they would all be uh, always be sitting in a circle. And uh, I would go. And they're used to they're used to foreigners because that that school they they host foreigners sometimes, but they were never used to a Muslim foreigner, a Muslim foreigner from a Western country. They were never used to it. They're village people. They they don't they they haven't they be, they haven't been exposed to that yet. So I would walk in. They they'd like just be looking at me, waiting for me to say something, and then I'd say "Salamu alaikum," and every time I got the same reaction, they'd be like "Whoa, whoa," <laughs> like right right. And then, um, and then I would tell them, you know, where I'm from, where I live, what I do, and they were just always so curious. The kids, um, I would be walking in the village to go pray, um, and kids would be running around me, yelling Arab, 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 because they just saw the beard. Not a lot of people have uh, beards there, so when they see someone who's brown and has a beard, they just generally think Arab. Um, then, uh, then I. When I would go to the masjid, the kids they would come up to me and they'd shake my hand, and they'd take it to their forehead, and I kind of felt weird because I've never I'm not used to that. But that's just a sign of respect that they do for elders. I've never seen that much respect for elders. There was like an old man walking uh, on the street, and the kids they would they would stop on the side and they just like like tilt their heads down and and in a form of respect. Bro, wow. where I'm from in Canada, kids be yelling at their teachers, like talking so back. Exactly right, yeah. talking back and like kissing their teeth and whatever, like walking out of class. And these kids, they're like, just, just standing and making way for like an elderly to walk by and just like looking down. Yeah. I was like, wow, what the hell? Because it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. It's a different world, right? Like we, people don't understand. It's like it's night and day, and that's where. You'd look at, for example, a country like Indonesia, like over 200 million people. There's so many third world countries or small towns, villages around the world. Like you'd say like 2 billion people actually have that kind of akhlaq yep. and respect and culture. But then we think, no, the world isn't like that because we understand the Western world. Right. We understand the Western world. We understand we're in that, that hustle bustle, right? We're in that circle where we're just on a, we're like a guinea pig just running on that circle. Yeah. But when I was there, every day was so chill, like... You know, maybe have uh, just a simple day, not do much. It wasn't packed with anything. Wake up, you know, check on the chickens with the with the the uh, the husband, um, the my host family. Check on the chickens. Uh, maybe go to the kitchen and see uh, the wife making breakfast. Then, you know, midday the students would come in. I would do my classes, and the nighttime we would all just sit outside, chill, talk. Have some tea. That's it. Okay, Slow let's days. let's paint the picture here. So you spent a month in Indonesia. Yeah. Indonesia to today, where did you travel to in between? So where have you been? Yeah. So I did Indonesia. Then after Indonesia, I did. So this is also a complicated story. If you want me to go into, it, I don't know. We'll see the list because yeah, yeah, yeah. just on time, okay, and then because sure, sure, sure. there's a lot to delve into. There's a That's lot. Why, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. So yeah. where did you go from Indonesia? So to Indonesia here? to, uh, accidentally to Malaysia again. <laughs> Malaysia was my like, uh, like it was, Your it hub. was my bad luck. Yeah, my hub exactly. Malaysia to Thailand, Thailand to Laos, Laos to Vietnam, Vietnam to Australia. Wow. Damn, you went up there. Yeah. What did you think? But of that was never the plan. 
What did you think of uh, Vietnam? They say like one of the cheapest countries in the world. Vietnam? Oh my gosh, bro. Oh my goodness. I, how, how long do we have? Because it was, it was a crazy story going up Vietnam. Like, well, like at least the, like 45 minutes. But okay, there's just a minutes. lot to touch on. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Because no, this was one of my craziest stories for Vietnam. So first, firstly, Vietnam was planned. Technically, but I missed my flight to <laughs> Vietnam. Oh, wow. You missed so many flights, bro. <laughs> I missed my flight to Vietnam, and I I was doing a layover in uh, Laos. La, uh, no, uh, Kuala Ta- Lumpur, oh. Malaysia. Again. Yeah. It, so I was from from Indonesia. From Indonesia, I was uh, it was a flight to Vietnam, but layover in uh, Mala- Malaysia. On the flight to Malaysia, I realized, wait, bro, do Canadians need visas for Australia? So I, d- I didn't check that from beforehand. For Vietnam or for Australia? Vietnam, for Vietnam. Vietnam yeah. So we, d- we do need a visa. And I was, I was going to be in Vietnam in the next 12 hours. And I was stressing. So when I landed in the airport, um, I had a couple hours. So I, I quickly applied for a visa and I went to sleep. I woke up and I had like five minutes to rush to my plane. I missed it. <laughs> but it was, uh, I think it was a good thing because if, if I had got into the country... Without a visa, then it, I I would have been in more trouble, right? Because where where do I go? Can't get here? visa on the spot, no. No, Canadians can't. Don't Canadians have a strong passport? We, I thought we did, but I guess not, man. Are you but guys like top ten strongest? No, yeah, top ten, top ten. But Vietnam, you don't get it on the spot. Oh, they don't do. Yeah, they don't do the fifteen day thing, so we we, we didn't get that. But anyways, I think that was a blessing. Cause I didn't, I didn't get into more trouble by going there. But you wasted a lot of money on missed flights, bro. I did, man. Like I did, but I learned a lot. I learned yeah. a lot. But that's what I'm telling way. you. I'm not dwelling on the fact that I that I lost a lot of money on missed flights because those gave me opportunities to go somewhere else. So, I wasn't gonna go to Malaysia. I went to Malaysia because of that. I wasn't gonna go to Singapore. I went to Singapore because of that. I wasn't gonna go to Thailand or Laos. I went to Thailand and Laos because I missed my flight to Vietnam. And, th- and listen yeah. to this, yeah? When I was in uh, Malaysia, when I missed my flight to Vietnam, I exited uh, from the airport and I was, again, I was feeling sad. I was like, oh man, I'm actually, I'm losing so much money. A day later, a guy messages me on Instagram. He's like, yo, you're in Malaysia? I'm in Malaysia too. Let's hang out. I was like, all right, cool, man. So uh, we go and we get coffee. In that meeting, he's like, bro, I know you make videos and stuff like that. How would you like to come to me, uh, with me, to Thailand I'll, I'll pay for everything I'll pay for your Like resort what? I'll pay for your resort I was like wait What do you mean bro How many followers Did you have at this time Um, I had like 40 40,000 Okay Yeah but he's seen My videos and stuff So uh, He's like Cause I had booked My flight to To Thailand anyways For Bangkok Um, So he's like Okay fine I'll come to Bangkok uh, From there I will I will pay for your Train to go To Chiang Mai uh, Which is like 12 hour train North yeah. yeah Yeah So um, So we did We did two days Three days in Two days in Bangkok And then We took the train Because obviously I was budget traveling mm. So I I was more keen On going for the train And he didn't want to Leave me alone And go By plane Because Because he wanted to Pay for my resort And I didn't want to I didn't want to Overdo it So I never Asked for like a plane There so he also took that train with me. And mashallah, he's a very, very, um, he's doing well for himself, that guy, right? He lives in Dubai. He hasn't been... That explains. That, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he, he hasn't been through those experiences like how I've been traveling. 
And I took him on a 13-hour train ride. I felt so bad the whole time. The guy was just sitting there. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> he couldn't sleep. Regretting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But he was like... But at the end, but at the end of it all, he's like, "Bro, I'm so glad I took that train with you because it also opened my eyes, and um, you know." So it was also eye-opening experience for him as well. But anyways, we we get to Chiang Mai, and he pays for my resort, pays for my food there. I'm doing his photography, videography. Um, I also get to touch the elephants and stuff. It was a, it was an elephant resort, so the elephants they would come to you. I would have never done that, bro, if I was a budget traveling. Yeah. So I got to do that. Why? Because I missed my flight to Vietnam. So that was a blessing. Mm. So then after that, uh, he leaves and I go to Laos. I'm like, I'll just bus it through t- to Vietnam. So let me go to Laos. So I go to Laos. I spend two days, Vientiane and Luang Prabang. Now, this is where the, the, the crazy story happens, yeah? Uh, do you have any questions before that, before I go into the... I'm very interested to hear about Laos. Because okay. I've yeah. never th- considered Laos ever. Laos is a very cheap country. Very cheap and safe as well, actually. But really underdeveloped, more underdeveloped than I would say Indonesia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And their currency, I would say, is somewhat similar. Southeast Asia traveling is so good. Yeah. Like for backpacking. Yeah. Like you can just go on a, a budget. It's really good. Right. And it won't limit you too much. Yeah. Exactly. Compared to Europe or even yeah. traveling yep. Australia, yep. so difficult. Exactly. My hostels were four or five dollars a night. Uh, I was booking tours. I was booking uh, like tours with a um, van. A proper like a con- uh, proper like transport for like four dollars, man. Like proper tours, you would get like a tour here for like what hundred, two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, right. So, um, yeah, Laos is pretty cheap, but Laos it was just it was chill. Everything went to plan. But from Laos, I was like, you know what? Let me take a bus from Laos from Vientiane, north of Laos, to north of uh, Vietnam, Hanoi. Twenty-four hour bus ride. I was like, you know what? Sounds like a challenge. I'll do it. It was like thirty bucks, thirty dollars. Was it a challenge, or was that your only option financially? Hi, <laughs> 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 I'm joking, bro. It's probably five dollars anyway. <laughs> no, so. no, no, no. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. It was my, it was my only option. But honestly, I could have shortened my trip because I wanted to extend my trip. I took the cheaper option. You so you're right. Yeah. Financially, I guess yeah. And it was a challenge. So uh, I was like, twenty-four hour bus ride. Um, I get on the I get on the bus, bro. I don't know. I did not expect what was about to happen in the next uh, twelve hours. So I had my I got my I got my visa from when I applied last time, and you know everything seems good. I was like, I have my visa. They'll let me through, right? It's okay. So <coughs> bumpiest ride I've ever had from from <laughs> from uh, from Laos to the border of. Uh, Vietnam not even through the border it's raining the, the the guy keeps this is a very big culture for them to keep honking you can't sleep at all and I'm, I'm a, it's a double it's like how do I explain it it's like seats it's like chairs but they're laid down and there's one up top and there's one at the bottom so is it a bed bus because I've seen those in Vietnam not really a those. bed bus but they're chairs that are flat recliner seats yeah. Yeah, yeah that are all the way down so you're laying on them basically okay. But it's not like a soft bed, though. It's a chair, but fully down. Did you know this going into it? Like mm. the type of seats you are going to get? No. Uh, I yeah. just went into it, bro. I was like, whatever. Yeah. So Seek discomfort. Right? Go. <laughs> and the thing was, I was, my chair was right on top of the wheel. I felt every bump. 
Because I'm, I'm laying on it. I felt every bump, every, like, rock. It was hurting my back, man. I'm just, like, laying there, like, oops, sorry. I was laying there, like, I don't know what to do. Uh, people just on the phone, loud uh, volumes on TikTok. I don't know the language. And it's, like, I couldn't sleep at all. Couldn't sleep at all. We get, well, I, I, I slept, okay, I slept. I had a nap, like, two-hour nap. We get to the border. Everybody's getting their stuff out. We're, we're going through. The bus went to the other side of the border. We're going through the the office. This border, very rural. Uh, let me just set the scene. It's like just just an office in the middle of nowhere. Mountains all around. Forests. No cars. Just our bus. Maybe like a few trucks of like the officers, the the soldiers. But that's it. So everybody's, everybody's given their... their um, uh, I feel like you guys might know where this is going. Everyone's given their, their passports, going through. Some people, they didn't have visas. So they're like, oh yeah, you have the 15-day thing on your passport. You can go for 15 days. All right, cool. I go there. I give them my passport. I, I'm confident. I'm like, oh, I got my visa. I'm set, bro. I just, this is the only thing I need to do, and I'll be through. He looks at my passport, looks at me. He asks me for my visa. He just keeps my passport on the side. And I thought maybe he needs to do something, but... Five, six, uh, f- like five, ten minutes go by. My my bus is already there, and they're they're waiting for me. I'm the last person. They don't speak English. They don't nothing. And I'm trying to understand. I'm like, why is my passport there? Can you tell me what's going on? So finally, some soldier comes, pulls out Google Translate, and it's like, your visa is invalid. Get your stuff out of the bus. Oh. So I was like, oh man, no. So I was like, I was begging the guy. I was like, bro, a 15-day thing, can I do that? He's like, no, you're Canadian, you can't. So I was like, oh, like what do I do? So um, I went to the bus, got all my stuff out. I didn't know what to do. I was stressed. Like, I was genuinely stressed. I, was, I didn't have food. I didn't sleep. I was just, I was deprived of everything, man. Like, no food, no nothing. I was really hot. It was really sweaty, humid. And I'm in a forest, some jungle. Yeah. I I get I go back to the office. I put my stuff on the side, and I'm like, "What now? There's no taxi. The nearest city on both sides of the border is an hour away or thirty minutes away. How do I go?" He's like, "I don't know." My guy just said, "I don't know," and walked away. So I'm they the, just left you there? Yeah, they left me there. So I was just sitting there, and I'm like, "I don't know what to do." So I went to some other officer, and he's like, uh, "Oh, you want to go through?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Give me two two hundred dollars." And we'll let you through. Damn. So, <laughs> I didn't have any other option, man. There was no taxis that went back to Laos. I couldn't go back to Laos. The, the city was so far away. How am I supposed to get there? My only option was to go into Vietnam. So, I was like, whatever, man. Can so I stop I, you there? Yeah. Do you think they did that on purpose? Because they, they saw Canadian yep. money. Yeah. We can say invalid. Yeah. And they might even know English. Who knows? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. we could. It's midnight. We can rob this guy of 200 bucks. And, and we which is, it, it was in the morning. In the morning. 10 a.m. Okay. But uh, is that a possibility where you think like they could have just said that? Maybe. But do you still know why it's invalid? Like why? Uh, yeah. So most countries they don't make that issue of which border you enter, but Vietnam they're very specific about their borders. So because when I had applied last time on my v- uh, e visa, I had a different border. I didn't think that would have been a problem, and I don't think so. They can they just need to do a stamp. It's still two hundred bucks. He he knew he could make right, some money exactly. off you. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like two hundred Canadians good money. Exactly. Right? And they're like, okay, here, here's the the banking information. 
they were ready for it. The banking information. I like, spoke English then, huh? Yeah. Now, <laughs> right? People have English. Like, <laughs> my pay ID is this. <laughs> right, it was all Google Translate. Hang on a sec. You guys are not subscribed. I think you guys, before you start the video, make sure you subscribe, turn off the notification bell, and enjoy the rest of the video. And then um, it's so annoying when you're hungry, when you don't know where you are, when you have no options, and the guy doesn't speak English and he just keeps passing you a phone. It was, I was getting so annoyed, agitated. But again, patience. Traveling taught me a lot of patience. So I put in my banking information. I, I give them $200. They're like, all right, cool. I'm like, where's my visa? They're like, yeah, we'll give it to you in seven hours. Just stay here. What? Seven hours. The border was closing in seven hours. So I'm like, what the hell? What am I supposed to do? What, what? They're like, yeah, just sit here. And are you communicating um, with Google Translate Google the Translate whole time? and just word, just like pointing. Oh my God. They're like, here, 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 sit. I was like, oh man, there's no food around. I'm hungry. I didn't know what to do. I was so exhausted at that point where my neck was so weak that I just sat and my, my neck was just hanging because I, I was just exhausted, man. I didn't know what to do. I, I was literally just sitting like this. I was exhausted. I was like, Ya Allah, just give me my visa so I could go to the country, figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to get to the Hanoi because it's still a 10-hour drive from the border. But I, ju I just sat there. A couple hours later, I'm starving. A couple hours later, uh, and a, a soldier comes up to me and he's like, do you want food? I was like, yes, please. So he took me to the side and there was like a, like a broken down house. In the side somewhere in the forest I go there And they give me noodles And they give me like ramen Bro that was like I was like alhamdulillah man When you're starving And you, when you haven't eaten for like hours I think it was I think it's, it's been like what 20, 20 hours by then Or something like that So yeah 20 hours um, Of me just traveling No bed no nothing 20 or 25 something like that so I, I ate that, bro. I, I ate the whole thing, and then I was full. And the soldier's like, don't worry, you don't have to pay for it. Because <laughs> he knew. Much about <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, bro. right? That's like all my show, yeah? <laughs> yeah like, I was like, thank you. Ramen. <laughs> right? But uh, he probably knew because I didn't have the currency either. There was no ATM, nothing like that. He covered it. So uh, I go back to the border. I'm waiting for my visa, all tired, half asleep, falling in and out. I'm holding on to my stuff, bro. I got my camera gear with me. That was the most vulnerable I felt in my whole life. I don't know who's around me. I don't know what their intentions are. My stuff's just out in the open. I was holding on to it. And I was just sitting on a chair, just dozing off in and out, hungry. But uh, finally, I got my visa. I asked the soldier, I'm like, how am I supposed to go to the city? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, there's this, this, this guy over here, he has a car. Hop in his car. He'll take you to a nearby city and he'll just drop you out drop you off in a bus that'll go there. That was my only option, man, was to trust a random stranger and get in his car and go through a random village in a because uh, we were in the mountains. I get in his car. Uh, he's like, give me 500 dongs. 500 dongs is like, what, 50 bucks? I don't know, 50, something like that. But to him, it's like, that's a it's lot. It's a lot, exactly. It's the cheapest country in the it's world to, to travel to. Right. And they're just making bank. They're making bank off me, man. And I didn't have any option because... If I say no, then get out. Stay at the border. So I was like, all right, man, let me go to ATM. I'll do it. So he took me down the, the mountains. It was a vibe, though. Vietnamese music going on. I see, like, those, uh, what is it, like, the 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 communist flags. And uh, it was, like, a different experience. So I was just sitting there. I was, I, 
couldn't think. I was exhausted. He drops me off to the, into the city. Uh, I go to the, the ATM, pull some cash out, give it to him, pull some cash out for the bus as well. 10-hour bus ride to Hanoi. I'm on hour 25 or something like that. Or, yes. Still, still a long journey to go. I get in the bus, same situation. Laying down beds. Only foreigner. People looking at me weird too because I was in a random village. I felt, I felt real, real vulnerable. So, whatever. I just held on to my bag, went to sleep. Finally, I get to Hanoi at 4 a.m. Drops me off in some random location. It's dark. No service. No no nothing. Uh, no one around me either. I'm like in a dark, like, dark place. Anyone could rob me and no one would even know. Um, Alhamdulillah, I had, I had some like one of those traveling packages for like visas. Mm. So I, I used that to order a grab and it was 4 a.m. No hotels that are going to let me stay. No place is going to let me stay, right? No, they don't check in at that time. So what did I do? It was Fajr time, so I found a masjid. I was like, Alhamdulillah, there was one masjid in the whole city, Hanoi. I went there. I prayed Fajr with them, and I was like, Shaykh, I'm way too tired. Can I just knock out here? He's like, sure. So he let me sleep there. So I slept there for like another 10 hours. I wake <laughs> up. <laughs> right, so I wake, so casually 10 hours. Right, 10 hours, right? Because yeah. I was exhausted, man. It was Or 12 hours maybe, I'm not sure. I wake up. Um, there's people around me, they're like, Asked me, you know, what are you doing? This, that. I'm like, I'm traveling. So the guy, he quickly gets up, goes to the store, gets me a juice just for free, you know? Like, I feel like that was just from Allah. Like, people were taking care of me. Then the Sheikh comes to me. He's like, by the way, we're cooking in the masjid today. We don't do this often. So you're lucky. Stay here and we're going to cook. And inshallah, you can have some food. I was like, wow. The day that, you know, that all this is going on is the day that they decide to do a community cook. Uh, a cookout, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I stayed there. They made some lamb, rice, chicken. I helped them out, uh, cut vegetables, this, that. And I got to sit with everyone and, you know, get my energy back, this, that. But I was looking back and I was like, I went 40 hours without paying for food. But Allah kept me fed through it all. Mm. Like, I was deep in it. Like, I was thinking about it. I was like, Subhanallah, like that was all from Allah, you know, like the, the, the fact that the soldier fed me, the fact that they were making food in the masjid that day, the fact that the guy just quickly ran out, got me like a juice and came back and, you know. So that was, that was a very, very tough situation. Taught me patience, resilience, tawakkullah, uh, everything, man. And what's interesting is that you ask, you're making dua, I think early in your trip, if not before your trip, about wanting closeness to Allah. Yeah. And obviously, it's usually through the struggles and the hardship that that's where you gain the closeness and the gratitude. Sure. Even though in the moment, it's like, why me? Why me? Why me? Why is this happening? And then it's like, oh, this is the last thing I want, this and that. But then it's like you start to realize afterwards, obviously, you gain the closeness through that and also being grateful. Yeah. But that's what's crazy as well. Like, you know, when you're traveling in certain cities, you go to a masjid and you meet a Muslim. It's that instant connection as well. And you know they're wanting to actually help you from the get-go yep. and they understand you. Yep. So that that's I think that was a good idea that you actually went to the masjid. Yeah, I went to the masjid, yeah. And when did you end up staying in that uh, city? So then I just found a hostel. Okay. Uh, some guy told me that there's a hostel right across from the masjid. Mm. You can come to Fajr every day if you want. It was right across. So I got that accommodation. 
So that was nice. But yeah, man, it, it that experience taught me a lot. Do you post these type of experiences on social media? Because a lot of times with travel um, content creators, you kind of only see the good stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, look how amazing it is. And like you said before, they don't see how lonely you might be behind yeah. the photo, um, the struggles you might have had that day. Do you try to show both sides of travel? Yep. That, that is something that I, I want to keep it unfiltered as possible. So I, I say it straight up. Um, even yesterday I posted a, 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 a picture of like a sandwich and I was like, half of the sandwich I'm going to eat today and half of it I'm going to eat tomorrow because I'm saving money. I'm, I'm, re- I'm like Is that true that you're eating half? Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's all I've been. That was my breakfast. That's it. Because in Australia, because it's expensive, yeah? Yep, yep. So, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm very unfiltered with it. And what I would, the story that I told you, I, I posted it on my Instagram stories, but I need to still make a video. It's, it's a process, bro. Editing and everything. Did you record all of this? Like, have you yep. vlogged a lot of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I've vlogged a lot of it, so it's, it's going to be out there. I don't know when, mm. but it's so hard to edit and travel, man. I'm so behind. I'm still sitting in Mecca for, for people. It's the first location. <laughs> right, exactly. But that's good to know because everyone has that idea where they see the travel con- right. uh, content creators and they're like, this guy's getting paid to go travel. I want to do that. Yep. And you don't realize it's actually more, maybe more than a full-time exactly. job. Exactly. Right. Know? And I've gotten, and because of my stories, I've gotten people messages, messaging me stuff like, uh, bro, um, I thought about you today because my, my, my mom, she cooked this thing. I don't really like eating it, but then I thought about how you were thankful that you had this food and you were hungry. Um, you know? So I get DMs like that where people are also finding inspiration through m- the the rawness of my, like, uh, uh, the unfilteredness of my stories. Was that your goal? Like, because uh, we, we went through, obviously, Instagram, yep. and it didn't seem like you had lots of, you were, you were content creator before your travels. Yeah. Like, it seemed like you just post, like like any of us, yep, just yep, yep. normal posts, but exactly. then obviously the activity, the desire to spread a message mm-hmm. that increased with your travels. Yes. Was that a goal? Where it's like, I want to inspire people to travel, to change mindset. Yep. What were you thinking? So it, that was the goal because I was... Or is it the money? That you nah, can travel more. <laughs> but there's no money though. I haven't gotten any, I haven't even gotten a dime from this yet. I will pay you for the podcast. You found no. dinner after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was cause I wanted to get out there. I, I was, I was making videos before that as well, but it was like daily lives, uni life, this, that. So I had the video creation I, aspect, but I didn't feel like I was reaching hearts, you know? So I, so I, so I did these things and I, and I posted my first video about my travels where I was like, where I, I was very unfiltered. I said that. I quit my job, I sold my stuff so I could travel, right? And that was like my first unfiltered video out of many that I'm going to post now. But people found a lot of inspiration in that. They're like, wow, you know, you did all this. I, I posted about my Umrah, my Umrah story I that I told that you about. You c- about crying yeah, and making Dawah. Exactly, yeah. right? And I sold everything and that money, it just kind of increased. I don't know how, but yeah. So um, I'm... In a world where like it's so fake, social media, I, w- I want to be unfiltered. Like I'm, I'm actively trying to be unfiltered. Not too much where they know too much. They know too much about me because I still have a personal life. But I don't want people thinking I am, I am just some rich snobby kid who gets to travel, and th- you know they don't know that I I worked like long hours. They don't know that I 
gave my apartment away. They don't know the, the reality. So even the sacrifices now, eating one sandwich right. a day, like it's not um, glamorous a lot of times. Yeah. Like you might see the picture of the sunset, like man, I wish it was that. But then all those feelings that come with exactly, that. exactly. And the way that I was traveling and I was taking trains and buses that were thirteen, you know, twenty four hours. And people have this misconception that when you're traveling, you're rich. But bro, I did it. I did it for like a couple of thousand dollars. It was a couple thousand for yep. five months? Yep. Damn. I think less than five thousand. Less than four thousand, something like that. Yeah. Subhanallah. So I think you had you said yeah. a similar number for your Europe travel and stuff. Yeah, I would say actually very similar. For how many months? It was back and forth because of this guy getting married. <laughs> um yeah, I'll say five, six. Five, six. Yeah. For four five, six K or five, six months? Months, months. But that's really good though for you. Money Europe. would be similar as well, yeah. I would say. Yeah, but yeah. then a lot of people would ask me, not straight up, but then you can kind of see the way they'll speak to me. They'll like, how can you afford that? Like, what about this? What about saving yeah. for that? And it's like, you can still manage this, other options. But yeah. I think a lot of people look at traveling only in one option. So, for example, like, I can only go to specific accommodations. I can only, um, I have to spend money on food twice three times a day and look at you like you're eating once a day yeah. i remember doing that in some cities because yeah. it's just what you got to do exactly especially if you're wanting to go to the extra city or stay for the extra day the extra night the hostel right you have to save you have to sacrifice as much right? or, exactly. food or, or take those sacrifices yeah, exactly you have to make sacrifices yeah and my main goal was was you know going through discomfort and it was also you know making content of every country that i go to mm. so food that was like, you know, not my top priority. If I eat once, that's fine. But I also want to post the the reality of it so people people don't think that I'm better than them in, in any yeah. sense. How do you find the balance of when you're traveling, living in the moment, like actually enjoying yeah. what's there and recording everything? Because I've went through phases yeah. where I just record every single thing on a trip yeah. and I just remember being on my phone the whole time uh-huh. on, my, on the recording right. with the camera. Yeah, so yeah. how do you find that balance? Do you feel like you might lean towards one side more? So definitely in the beginning, I was leaning towards always recording everything and then going home and editing them. But now I've kind of left editing a bit aside. I do it casually, but I'm more focused on capturing content and then worrying about perfecting it later. And since I'm in Australia, I'm not making as much content because this is supposed to be like at least when I was in Canberra, when I had family around, when I was living with family, I barely pulled my phone out because that was my that was me time. Mm. So when you're traveling like this, you should, you know, you're if you're making content and you're traveling, you should have uh like some personal time and then uh some content wise. Yeah. Are you always thinking like what type of videos you can make stuff because obviously us as podcasters and you know we're expanding into like YouTube videos and stuff, yeah, we're yeah. always thinking like what can we do? What can we create? Who should we do an episode right. with? And that's our free time because it's a leisure. And it's obviously uh, like a side hustle. Yep. Is that kind of the same? Like when you're looking at something like, I can make a reel out of that. Yeah. Is that how you're thinking? So uh, some are pre-planned, but then some are just, uh, I take as many shots as I can of the country that I'm in. So maybe if I have another idea, I can just uh, I can just make a video out of it. Yeah. Of anything. If it's the currency, if it's this, if it's that, if I choose to make a video on, oh, what can you get? Or five, five real, something like that. Mm. So yeah, it's a lot, a lot of pre-planning, but a lot of just recording everything, so that way I don't feel like just I'm just seeing what happens, go with the flow yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. 
And do you feel like you have like specific goals you want to achieve? Because you said you might soon go back to Canada. Yeah. Is it a thing where it's like in the next month I want to go to three more countries? How do you look at the travel journey? Five six months, it's like maximum countries, maximum <coughs> human connections and benefit. It doesn't matter if I go to four countries if I benefit a lot. Yeah. Sometimes people just want to have the number. I've been fifty countries. Right. Right. It's like have fifty countries went through you. Yeah. Impacted you. So how do you look at that? For me, it would be. When I burn through my money, okay, that's my like my limit. So you have like a thousand dollars. Like when I yeah. have last thousand, I buy a ticket back to Canada. Yeah, exactly. So now when I was in Australia, I was like, okay, you know what? It's I think it's time for me to go back financially. Because you travel to the expensive places, right. bro. <laughs> bro but yeah, right. Yeah. But that was on, the only reason for me to actually come to Australia was because I had family in Canberra, mm-hmm. and I've never met them before, extended family. So like, all right, cool. If I'm here, anyways. Might as well. And you want to go to New Zealand next? <laughs> so New, Le- New Zealand is going to be my layover. Because oh, New Zealand's expensive. It's yeah. expensive. Like Aussies yeah. don't travel there because it's expensive. Yep. Like it's similar to here. So like what's the point? Yeah, it's, I know. Uh, that's why I don't really want to travel through there. It's just 18 it's hour very nice layover. there. 18 hour layover. So I won't do much. Just go to a hostel. Get fast. some food. That's it. Right, fast, that exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depends on how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, so do you have goals in the realm of traveling? Like, okay, if I do go back to Canada, my goal is to save for six months and do this again. Like, how are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I you're think twenty, I th- obviously. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So no firm, solid plan yet. I wanted to do a working holiday here, like take a semester off um, from uni and do like a semester. Uh, sorry, yeah, a working holiday here, make some money. Melbourne or Canberra? Uh, honestly, anywhere. No, not Canberra, <laughs> though, not Canberra, because it's like, it's like very government, yeah. government type. I think to do that, yeah. Exactly, I, I, I probably not there. But I was thinking, but then I need to get a visa. It would have costed me the same amount that I am spending to go back. Uh, I would have spent here, and then obviously the, the uncertainty of actually getting a job or finding a place. So I was like, maybe I'll plan that out properly and maybe come later for that. But right now the plan is go back to Canada, get my life, you know, back. Um, we edit my content because th- that is lacking. I need to work mm-hmm. on that, and uh, get an apartment again. Figure out, figure out what I'm doing from there. So this is like a phase in Ahmed's <coughs> life because yeah. your name's Ahmed the Musafir. Mm-hmm. Like if it was just Ahmed, it's like you're the traveler. So yeah, it's like is that part of your life going to so continue? So the 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 reasoning behind the name. So before it used to be Akhi Ahmed, my travel. Akhi Ahmed. Akhi Ahmed because I would post mostly Islamic content, but. Yeah, I chose the name Ahmed the Musafir because I I was traveling, but also there's there's more of a there's a different meaning to it. Musafir meaning we're temporarily in this world. So I, so the name would I probably I don't think it would change because even if I'm not a traveler traveler I'm still a tra- traveler. You know what I mean? Yeah, it stays was, with your identity. That sounded like those fake podcasts. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, but yeah. So, it'll still be like content about my life, but just just different aspect of uh, it. Where does this fit in in terms of um, like university or like any other sort of studies? Because yeah. there can be a lot of people listening as well that's probably studying right now or either w- going to study and they still want to travel as well. So, where does that fit in? So, I'm not sure about other how other university systems work, but at least in North America, you can take a couple uh, a semester or two semesters off. Um, if you feel like it, a lot of people do that. Mm, 
my friends do that to work extra. Some friends do that because they just don't feel well. Uh, lots of pressure. So I did that for these four months because I was like, I just want to travel. So I took the, the, the semester off. And it's just it's a semester. It's like, if I look at if I look at it from, I really had to think about it. I had to re- I really sit down and think about it. Is it worth it missing a semester and then covering it later? And the conclusion was, yeah, because in the in the span of a average life 80 years four months is not that much of a diversion yeah yeah it's nothing right and even like especially because like i'm 26 now i only finished university this year yeah from just chopping and changing courses and that but like looking back at like finishing high school 19 to about 21 22 i think about those years and what i could have done even more you just like want to take take those chances take those risks financial risks as well Really, like you start to realize, I think once you leave high school, <laughs> even the university years, you get to a point where you recognize how young you still are. Yeah. Even though the post high school feeling is, I'm getting older, but you're not. Yeah. It's just a ch- different chapter. Right. Exactly. So I, I assume you went through that as well. And yeah. To an extent, still going through it. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. going through it. Still, I feel like I want to do so much more, but at the same time, it's like I got to do uni, and it's like how do I balance it? Mm-hmm. So the the balance that I found was take the semester off well it wasn't because uh, we get we get um we got summer holidays anyways for four months i don't know if it's like that for you guys we guys we have it over uh december jan we have <coughs> university it's about four months three and a half four months yeah like november december jan feb it's like not really university times so it's like four months and four months like what are your holidays from university yes those like november december jan Feb, okay, and then mid year we have about a month, maybe a month, six weeks, okay, which is like July ish. So a month of just holiday, that's it. Yeah, six okay. weeks in the middle of the year and four months at the end of the year. That's what most universities okay, at the end have. Of the year. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So, so, see, even your guys' school system is flipped in Australia because we're Southern Hemisphere. Right, you're exactly. North, so our yeah. summers are. Yeah, so it's yeah. just it South America, South Africa. We have the same as them. Oh yeah, you have it like the same su- as them. yeah Southern oh, Hemisphere. Oh, got you. I, I don't know they had that. Yeah. But yeah, that that's also something I'm trying to get used to. But yeah, so for those four months, if you know anybody's in university and they get those four months of holidays, go do something. With it that. technically like wouldn't put your life on pause, yeah. like a university degree if yeah, you yeah, yeah. take a semester exactly. off. It's just your summer holidays. Instead of working and making five yeah. k, invest in your experiences. Exactly, and, and that was for me. I wasn't I wasn't pushing it off that much. It was just the the summer holidays. That's interesting because yeah. sometimes you feel like traveling will put my life on pause. If I quit my job, I might not be able to work my way up the ladder. Yeah. And that's how you kind of think. Yeah. So even just trying to find like six months isn't going to do much. Yeah. You know, yeah. but even the idea, idea is like, okay, I got 30K. Do I save up for a house soon or do I buy a new car or do I go spend 15K on a holiday? And that's a really difficult is, question yeah. to ask. And then it's like, okay, what are you supposed to do? And that's where a lot of people, depending on their own goals and ambitious yeah. uh, ambitions, they have to kind of determine it for them. Yeah, and their priorities and stuff like that. Uh, for me, it was like I was, I was, I was just thinking about I'm like, bro, if it's not now, then when? Because I can die tomorrow. I can, you know, whatever. Like, um, I also know that, um, that I want to get like, I'm I'm probably gonna have different commitments in the next couple of years. Maybe marriage. Maybe my parents would get a bit older and they need support. So I was like, if not now, then when, right? I have to commit to that part of my life later. So let me just take this chance and let me just do whatever I, I really feel like doing with my with my youth, with my freedom, 
with my you know with my time right now um there's a um there's a hadith from the prophet it's like take care of five before five have you guys heard about it right so one of it is um take care of your 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 uh young age before old age right and uh like right now I'm healthy Alhamdulillah I can walk I can talk I can I don't have any You know major issues So If not now Then SubhanAllah When yeah. right? I think it's interesting as well Like people probably Listening to this Possibly thinking That um, We're talking about Encouraging people to do A five month trip Because it's not common yeah. Like for example <coughs> I'm an English teacher So I work in the city yeah. And I, a lot of my students Are from Japan And some of them recently Have only come Over their summer holiday For about some of them one week, one weeks, one week, three weeks, a month. So like really you can have the option to take in the summer to go for these short trips. It's still, there's, there's all these different options. So yep. it's not something like... No, so you don't, uh, that's, that was never my purpose was, my purpose never to, when I post stuff online, it's not to encourage people to travel like me per se. It's more of a, like, an idea that go chase that dream that you want to. If it's a business, if it's you know b- uh, saving up for a car, if it's if it's things that you really want, you have to make certain sacrifices. Like how I did, I had to let go of my apartment. I had to let go of that comfort because I r- that was my uh, dream to travel. So I'm not saying y- that's that sh- that should be what you should be doing. But if your dream is to start a business, then you're gonna have to make sacrifices, go chase that thing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more so that than just specifically travel. Chase dreams. I was yeah. gonna ask you for one parting advice um, for people that are listening. But it seems like you just I, think, the I head. think that was probably yeah, the one. that was perfect. Mm-hmm. I think we'll wrap it up here. You have any other questions or we're good? Pretty much answered all. Jamil, uh, firstly, Jazakallah Khairan. Thank you very much for coming on. But if the people want to find out um, more about you, tag uh, follow along your. Um, travel journeys Where can I find you Yeah so Ahmed the Musafir So on Instagram Mostly on Instagram TikTok I still need to post YouTube I still need to post But mostly Instagram uh, But yeah If you get in now They'll be seeing those videos When they're fully you're edited right. yeah. exactly. It's actually a better timing Smart. now yeah. You're right You're right Inshallah yeah, so, so I hope so you guys Are good Now I was just gonna say Is there like a Like a beta squad thing That you guys do Like <laughs> Pray the Taylor <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're not that far ahead. I mean, no, yeah, you uh, can do the outro if you want. No, no, you uh, we c- Okay. Jazakallah khairan, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, remember to follow Ahmed, you know, and chase the dreams. Take care.